Well, good evening. If you uh, do not know who I am, I am actually the children's pastor, Pastor Jordan. Yes, we're going to do kids' church style tonight a little bit. No, um, Pastor Jordan is away um, relaxing and being with family, and so um, they asked me to fill in tonight, and I'm excited because God's given me a word for tonight, and everything leading up to the whole worship experience, Pastor Robin was giving you a little bit of my sermon already, and I felt like it was just confirmation for where he wants to go tonight. So let's just begin with prayer. God, I just thank you for each and every person that's here tonight, and even those that'll listen to the podcast, God. We just, we know that you have a message to speak tonight, and I just pray you'd hide me behind every word that's been said, that you would speak tonight, that your voice would be louder than anything, or anything that's done or said tonight. May you be glorified, and I just pray that you would show us who you are tonight. I pray that you would become bigger than any problem, any trial, any situation that the enemy can bring our way, that nothing will compare to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I was on a prayer walk uh, back in August, and I was just walking on these country roads where we live, and while I was on the walking, I was just talking to the Lord, and um, I asked him, and Pastor Jordan, he hadn't even asked me to preach yet again, but I said, if I ever preach again at River House, because I had preached in June, I said, if I ever preach again, God, what would you want me to talk about? And this was, again, in August. And while I'm walking, it was clear. And instantly I saw a picture, and I'll age myself right now, uh, of a cassette that, that I listened to. Do you millennials know what a cassette is? <laughs> uh, and so I, list, I saw this cassette, and I remembered, and the title of the cassette was El Shaddai. And I said, what do you want me to preach on? He said, I want you to preach on El Shaddai. The God who's more than enough. And I said, okay. (laughs) So I tucked it away, just kind of let it brew. In November, Pastor Jordan got a couple of us together and said, hey, I'm doing this little preaching class. I feel like we need more than one voice at River House. I want several of you to be voices of River House. And he said, Jamie, I want to put you on the schedule. Your first time you're preaching is March 25th. And then instantly I knew, I know what message I'm going to preach on on March 25th. It's El Shaddai, God who's more than enough. So I've started to press in and study and ask God, which stories do you want me to share? And I have so many, I don't even know that I'll get to all of them. I'm just praying that God will show me which ones are for the people that are in this service right now. But to begin with, I want to start out in Genesis 17.1, because that is actually the first time you hear the name El Shaddai, and it's actually used in Scripture. So in Genesis 17.1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, or in other translations, I am El Shaddai. Walk continually Be conversing before me and be blameless. So just a quick pause because we're not going to camp out on that. But just so you know what's going on in the story, Abram had been promised all these things from God. He He would have a child. He'd have descendants. He would have all this blessing. And it wasn't happening. He was 99, that scripture said. So he even tried to take matters into his own hands make things happen and force it and not do it God's way. And then 13 years later, God appears and says, I am El Shaddai. 
And El Shaddai means the all-sufficient one, the God who's more than enough. And the third thing you'll see it called is he's the almighty God. The almighty God, he's all-sufficient, which makes him more than enough. So what I want to do tonight is just take us on a journey. I'm going to go through, just highlight a few stories from the Bible that you've probably already heard several times. But what we're going to do is just begin building your faith, 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 faith. Oh yeah, he is El Shaddai. He is El Shaddai. He's El Shaddai. And then the second half of my message, I'm going to take you on some of my experiences and stories where God, in circumstances that seem so dark, El Shaddai showed up. And then at the end, we'll pray. Where we're going to begin in the Old Testament is a story you probably have all heard, is the story of Moses and the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14. All I want to highlight in this story, the children of Israel stood on the shore of the Red Sea crying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Do you see the Egyptians were behind them? There was mountains on this side, wilderness on this side, and right in front of them was a big sea, and they were being chased, thinking things were hopeless. But the God who is more than enough spoke to Moses and said, stretch forth thy rod. When Moses did so, the waters of the Red Sea parted long enough for the children of Israel to go across on dry ground. They were delivered. He's El Shaddai. And I'm going to make this interactive since I'm a kid's pastor. When I say El Shaddai, you say more than enough. Because by the end of tonight, I want that to be so in your spirit that it doesn't matter what phone call you get, what happens this week, your first response will be God's more than enough. So let's try it. I'm going to say El Shaddai and you say? Okay. So we see this with the story of Moses. Bleak circumstances, El Shaddai, that God is more than enough, shows up. Another popular story, David and Goliath, 1 Samuel 17. The Israelites were being taunted by the Philistines and their big warrior hero, Goliath. The nine-foot giant who for 40 days in a row came out and took his stand and ridiculed the Israelite army. But as you know the story, David understood who was on his side, El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Sorry, I, I should have... I prepared my own self for this message. <laughs> he stared the giant in the eye and said, You come against me with a sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom have you defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And sure, the all-sufficient one did Jai. The God is more than enough. The all-sufficient one did just exactly as David spoke. Then we're going to jump to Daniel 6. The story of Daniel and the lion's den. I feel like I'm in children's ministry just hearing these stories. They're the popular ones. In Daniel chapter 6, we find the administrators and advisors to King Darius getting very jealous of Daniel. So they came up with a plan to try and eliminate him. Since they couldn't catch Daniel doing anything corrupt or wrong, they came up with another way to get Daniel in trouble. They had the king make a decree that for a 30-day period, everyone must pray to King Darius. They knew Daniel would not betray God, 
and pray to an earthly king. Once they got him praying, they would turn him in. And as you know the story, that's exactly what happened. So he gets turned in. The punishment for this crime was to be thrown in the lion's den. He's thrown in the lion's den, as we all know. The next day the king comes. They come to see, and what do we find out? He's still alive. And Daniel says, God shut the mouth of the lions and kept them alive. It moved King Darius so much, he made a decree in the land and said, this was the decree. For he is the living God, and he endures, and he saves. He will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues, and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Because he's El Shaddai, the God who is. Let's jump to the New Testament. John 6, another popular story. Coming over to the New Testament, we see Jesus and the disciples out in the wilderness with the multitude. This was the occasion he preached that we, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. The people had been without food for a while and were getting very hungry. Jesus told his disciples to give the multitude food to eat. They replied, we don't have anything. They looked around, and all they found was a little boy who offered him his lunch, five barley loaves and two small fish. Jesus had them seat the crowd in groups. He took the little boy's lunch and fed the 5,000. At the end of the story, we read that they had 12 baskets left over after everyone had eaten. Why do they have 12 baskets left over? Because he's El Shaddai. The God who's more than enough. John chapter 2, we see Jesus attending a wedding in Cana of Galilee with his mother. She told them they'd run out of wine, and she instructed the servants, do whatever he tells you. Jesus told them to fill the water pots with water and carry them to the governor of the feast. By the time they got there, the water had been turned into wine. And the governor exclaimed, you've saved the best for last. Once again, we see he's El Shaddai, more than enough. John 11 is the story of Lazarus. Word came to Jesus one day that his friend Lazarus was dying, but it wasn't until a few days later that Jesus made his way to Bethany. When Martha learned that he was coming, she ran out to meet him, saying, Oh, Master, if you had only been there, Lazarus would not have died. He said, Your brother will rise again. In the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Then he went, wanted them to take him to his body. Lazarus' body had been placed in a cave and was sealed with a stone. When Jesus ordered them to roll away the stone, they protested. Oh, they said, by this time, he stinks. But they did what he asked. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus came forth, still wrapped and bound in grave clothes. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. The God who is more than enough is even greater than death. So El Shaddai shows up, and he's even greater than death. So I honestly could go on and on, and, and I'm not going to go through stories you've heard a million times, but it was just to kind of get it going, get the process going of your faith building up, to understand it's all over the Bible. 
It's everywhere you turn. Story after story after story. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. So sometimes we think that stuff is just for the Bible or it doesn't happen that way or isn't that beautiful, but this is going on in my life. And that is what I want to address tonight. Circumstances, your circumstances can be different now if you'll believe God. Things will be different here if we trust him. He is the God who is more than enough. He is the all-sufficient one. He's not just the God of yesterday. He's the God of now. He didn't say, I am the God who was more than enough. No, he didn't say, I am the God who will be more than enough. He said, I am El Shaddai, more than enough. When you really let that sink in, much bigger. Your problems become much smaller, and God's promise becomes much bigger. So the rest of the time, I'm going to do rapid fire and just teach you kind of some of the stories God's brought me in my journey and taught me. And I'm going to reveal things to you that my mentor shared for me. Two of the three mentors that I'm going to, I'll even show you a picture in a second. Two of the three people are down in heaven. And uh, I get to share these stories and their amazing wisdom with you tonight to show you how to apply the promises, the truth of God to your circumstances and situations. So the first one, go ahead and put, um, these are spiritual giants to me. Um, Gertrude Taylor on the left and Don and Ruth Ann Polston and and Gertrude and Don are in heaven now. Uh, But they were so instrumental in my life and uh, world changer. So Kim and I were going through, um, be, we were in ministry, we were in Indiana, we were really struggling as a lot of ministers do financially. And so we were, we, we had some things happening and I was carrying the load, I do the checkbook, I process all that and, and we had things coming, coming, coming. And I, we went to their Bible study in Indianapolis, they did on a Monday night and at the end, I went over to Pastor Don and Ruth Ann, and I'm like, hey, we just got this going on and this going on. And I just remember her because she's a little feisty. And uh, she looked me right in the eye. She said, I'm going to teach you something that God taught me. I said, okay. I grabbed my journal. What are you going to teach me? And she said, I want you to find a promise in God's word and attach it to every one of those things you just told me. She said, I don't, there could be lots of promises, but you let the Holy Spirit highlight one, and you own it. And she said, I don't want you to think it. I want you to write it down. I want you to pray over it and believe God for it. So I did that. I went home, and and yesterday I actually looked for like two hours for this journal, and I never found it because I actually wanted to throw it up on the screen. But I wrote down these immediate things that we were having. The first one, as silly as it sounds, is we needed new tires for our car. They were bald, and I didn't have the money to buy them. So I wrote down, God, I need new tires, and I think the scripture was, God, you'll supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. And so she said, when, when you pray that and you speak that promise over it, it was kind of like how Robin was charging you. Like, you thank him for it. You believe. You go there with your faith. Like, it is finished. It is done. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. And so I did that. I put the tires on my list, and I went to town with it. 
I had another, this is a, a funny request, but I'm sharing funny requests just to show you how God is, okay? So this is kind of even, I don't know, I want to skip this one, but I'll share it. <laughs> one of the things I needed on my list, but looking back, I didn't need it, is we had a huge yard in Indiana. Tons of grass, and we had a push mower, and it took forever. I would spend my whole day off mowing my yard, and then it's back to the grind. And I said, God, I just want to be able to have a riding lawnmower <laughs> so that I can just get it done. I had neighbors on both sides of me, and they had craftsman lawnmowers, and I would be pushing, and they would be zoom, zoom, zoom. Every time I was just tormented. <laughs> Finally, I thought I got the answer, answer, but it was just a tease. Somebody gave me a dumpy old riding lawnmower that had a blade that was about this wide. Still, I honestly think I could push mow it quicker than. It was old. It went slow, but they gave it. And so I'm riding it. And meanwhile, zoom, 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 zoom. And these people are flying by me, and their yard's done, and I'm still going on this thing that dies every five minutes and doesn't work. And, you know, have you ever been there where you pray for something, and then you get something, and it still seems a little, okay? But here's the reason I'm telling you this goofy story. I kept that thing in my journal, and I kept praying the promise. I don't remember the promise. That's why I went in my journal. But I found one somehow. Probably something to do with being with your family. I don't know what I picked, but I found something, and I went after it. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And then one day, this lady comes up and says to us from church, and she says, hey, I have a weird offer for you. I said, okay. She said, my husband and I are going through a divorce, and part of what I get is a craftsman lawnmower. You could put it on the screen. And uh, she said, it's a year old. I still have the receipt in the park. And my dad has a trailer, flatbed trailer, and he'll bring it over to you. Do you want it? Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> yes, I want it. And by golly, I wish I could ha watch a video of myself <laughs> right uh, keeping up with my neighbors. Uh, and you know what? Every time I rode that mower, I was reminded he's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. He wasn't just enough with that little red riding lawnmower that I had. He was more than enough. And I got my craftsman lawnmower. So point, I don't even have points, but one little nugget you can write down. When you're faced with a situation or you have big needs, I want you to write them down. I want you to find a promise in God's word. And then I want you to pray that promise and thank God as if it's happened. Because if when you focus on the promise, it becomes so much bigger than the problem. And a lot of times we don't take that. And what we do is we get on our knees and we plea and we beg. And nothing changes. Because pleading and begging is full of doubt. But when you put a promise and you attach God's word to it, uh, this was another thing Pastor Don would say to us. He'd say, put God's word on it because 
remind him, his word says it doesn't return null and void. So when you attach your, his word to it, it's not going to return null and void. Chew on that for a minute. <laughs> I mean, that's powerful. It changed the way I prayed. This is why Pastor Jordan's been hammering on this a couple of times about mentorship. These tricks, these tricks, these tips from these mentors changed my life. If you don't have a mentor, find one. It's valuable to grow in the spirit and, and learn. So, Gertrude Taylor. What she taught me kind of goes with that, what I just said, but has taken it to the next level. Gertrude Taylor is, um, we went and saw her. Someone spoke at our church that we respected and was kind of a mentor to Kim and I. And she said, you too have to go meet my mentor. And we lived in Tennessee at the time. She said, she's in Oklahoma City. She's 85. But you need to fly out there and meet her. You need her blood her up and said, hey, heart something in you. And we just did it. So we called her up and said, hey, we know this lady. She's your mentor. And we wondered if we could fly out and just meet with you. She's like, sure. So her and her husband were so gracious. And uh, we, we did something she said that had never been done for her. But we sat at her feet for 12 hours straight. I have a video camera that I took and I videoed till my video ran out of tape. And I just soaked like a sponge. She had the most, I could preach a sermon on the story she told me. Amazing. The last year of her life, she saw a miracle a week. She was a powerhouse. And one of the things she taught me, she said, I want to tell you about picture praying. And I said, picture praying, that sounds interesting. <laughs> what do you mean? And she said, well, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for. It is being sure of what we do not see. And she said, sometimes you need to build your faith up. And she said, you want to know what I do that God's taught me? She said, I picture with my eyes of faith God answering that prayer. She said, my son needed a job so bad. And I was picturing, and I was doing Hebrews 11, 1, using my eyes of faith. And she's like, I just pictured money raining down on him, <laughs> that God was going to provide the job. And she said, shortly thereafter, IBM called and hired her son. Now, you millennials probably don't even know what IBM is. It'd be like if you get hired on at Apple. It was a big deal back in the 80s. IBM was a big name, and he got on at IBM. And had an incredible job. And went from struggling to amazing provision. So she tells me that little story and I tucked that one away. That I can use that someday. And so I, I began to try all the little things I was getting together. And so I'm going to go into this next story where I used Gertrude Taylor's. And again, some of these stories I'm telling you because you're going to be like, why, why did you even pray that? And why did he answer it? But it's just to stretch you and make you feel. See that you can't put God in a box. The next one, go ahead and put up the Disney picture. So in 2012, my mom and dad said, hey, we're going to get, 
we're going to pay for your whole family to go to Disney. You just need to come up with gas money. We'll even buy the rental minivan. You just have to pay for food while you're there. Gas money, we'll pay the lodging, and we will, um, you just have to pay for food while you're there. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, our kids never got to go on a vacation like that. We always went to family on my weeks off. And so they were all excited, and we got that, and I started going into my analytical dad mode and researching, well, how much does it cost to eat at Disney and how to do all these things and park? Let's just, like, talk to people who had been there and realize real quickly Disney was going to cost a lot, even though the ticket was paid for. And so when I crunched all the numbers and did the math, I realized I'm probably going to need for this week $1,000. And I don't have $1,000. I'm a children's pastor. <laughs> like, we don't get in this for the money. And, and, and I, I was like, ugh. Like, God, you got a blessing, but I don't want it to be, end up being, I don't want to put it on a charge card. That's not who I am. And so I did what Mrs. Taylor said. And I remember right in my room, and I remember kneeling down, and I said, God, I need $1,000 for this vacation. And I see with my eyes of faith 10 $100 bills floating down, and I see them falling in my hands. And I'm going to believe you for this. You're El Shaddai. You're more than enough. Two days later, I had a man come up to me at church. He said, I was praying today. And while I was praying, the Lord told me to give you this. And I said, okay. So he handed me an envelope. And you know how we are when we get an envelope. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I wonder what's in here. And uh, as soon as he turned the corner and left, of course, like the rest of you would, I ripped open that envelope to see what he was giving me. And I opened it, and there was 10 $100 bills. He's El Shaddai, more than enough. And God gave me that $1,000 so I could go to Disney without a care in the world. Because he's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. It isn't just me, though, that he does stuff for. I want to tell you a couple of stories even for the kids' ministry that I've seen over the years. The first one is Tika. Tika rode. Tika was in my very first church back in the year 2001, 2000 to 2002. I was at this, my very first assignment. And Tika was rode the bus or the church van, and I actually drove the van back then, and I would go pick up these kids who, whose parents wouldn't come to church, and they were a lot of times from a lot of poverty, and would bring them to church and minister to them. And so one week at Children's Church, I was teaching on giving and tithing and just the importance of it and, and teaching them how to, why we give and blah, blah, blah. At the end of that message, Tika came up to me, and she just looked, and I could tell she was, like, processing. And she said, Pastor Jamie, I don't have any money, so how do I do giving? Still breaks my heart, even going back to that emotion. I said, you know what, Tika, I don't know, but when you do earn money, just give 10%. And she said, okay. Two weeks goes by, and Tika comes up to me with the biggest grin on her face. 
She runs into the children's church room, and she's waving this $5 bill. Pastor Jamie, Pastor Jamie, look what my grandma gave me, $5. I said, awesome. She's like, I'm going to put 10% only 50 And me being the wonderful spiritual leader, well, 10% only 50 cents, so you don't have to put the whole five in, you know, <laughs> trying to think that, oh, what she would do with that extra 450 But you know what? Tika had bigger faith than I did. And I learned from Tika that day. Tika put in the whole $5 with the biggest smile on her face that you could ever see. And Jordan talked a couple weeks ago about giving. And you just give. Don't make it about an amount. Just give. Be givers. And Tika gave. And I don't know the amount of time. But a few days later, I had... Uh, like a 75-year-old lady come waltzing in my office at the church. And she said, and she's really fun, cute little lady. She's like, Pastor Jamie, you know that one girl you bring on the band? I said, yeah. She's like, the one that has holes all in her pants and it's all dirty and filthy. And this is back before holes in your pants were popular. Um, now we buy them like this back then. Tika was not trying to set a trend. She was getting hand-me-downs that didn't fit her. She would step on them. They would rip. They would be absolutely filthy. And you can't even really see it in the picture. But guarantee at the bottom of those jeans, they were super long and all dirty. She said, I was praying, and the Lord told me that he wants me to buy that girl some clothes. Can you give me her sizes? I said, yeah, I'll work on it. And so I ended up getting, finding out that her teenage brother her sizes, and even when she was at church, I had one of the ladies like, oh, what size of your, <laughs> size of jacket is that? And long story short, Tika came in that following Sunday. And this is another tearjerker. And um, after church, I said, Tika, come with me. I want to take you. Miss Donna has something in her trunk for you. And Donna had a, enrolled her daughter into going to shop. And her daughter bought clothes upon clothes, bought backpack, bought school supplies. I mean, you, when they opened that trunk, it looked like a store. Everything was not, it was none of it resale shop. It was all brand new. And so we opened up that trunk, and I saw Tika's eyes. It's so big. And I said, remember our lesson? You can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. And so Tika taught me about giving. I'm going to go into just another type of story where God showed me he's El Shaddai. And I've tried to get a variety of things. This one is um, my cousin who's not a believer. He lived in Minnesota. My family, uh, my parents live in Iowa. And every year we would go to Iowa for Christmas back when we lived in Indiana. And so my cousin was coming from Minnesota. And like today times 10, it was a major, major snowstorm. 
blizzard. There was accidents all along the interstate because it was bad, bad conditions. And so my mom called me. We hadn't left yet. We were still in Indiana. And she said, your cousin called. He's on his way from Minnesota. And again, he's not a believer, but it's amazing how even people aren't believers, want believers to pray when they're in a crisis. And she said, he called and said, I know you guys are, I believe in your prayers, and I need prayers. I'm scared. There's accidents all around. I'm out here in the middle of this highway, and I need to get home. I want to get home for Christmas. And she said, okay, we'll pray, and I'll call Jamie and Kim and the kids, and we'll pray for you. So my mom called. I think it was late. I don't even know what time it was in the evening. And she called and told us what was going on. So we real quick scooted the kids. And I remember we were at the end of the hallway, right outside all of our bedrooms. We'd all come out in a circle. And we held hands and we prayed for Josh to get to Iowa safely. And then my son, who was young, young at the time, um, probably second grade, my son said when it was his turn to pray, and God, just bring a snow plow. Put it right in front of him and let him follow it all the way home. Amen. <laughs> My mom called us back within two minutes, I don't know, a couple minutes. I just got a phone call from Josh. God's already answered our prayers. Why? What happened? <laughs> He's home already? Uh, she said, right after we prayed or after we prayed, he asked us to pray, a snowplow came right in front of him. And he's now going to follow it the rest of the way home. El Shaddai, more than enough. We don't serve this tiny God. We don't serve a God who's dead. We don't serve a God who's fallen asleep. We don't serve a God who's fought, forgotten you. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. If he cares about a snowplow or my Disney tickets, how much more does he care about what you're going through? Get it in your spirit. I feel like God just wants to burst out tonight and break stuff off of you. He wants freedom. Okay, a couple more. My dad's journey. In 2006, we found out that my dad had prostate cancer. And I didn't really know a whole lot about prostate cancer back then or what the, like how serious it can be or not be. And so we, he gets this diagnosis, and his PSA levels were at 16, which is really high. I mean, it's high. It's, okay, you've got cancer. We've got to do something. So they lived in Iowa, and they drove to Indianapolis, where we were at, because we had better hospital and, and surgeons. And they came, and they did surgery on him. He was tested. Um, weren't sure if they would be able to get it all. And so at the end of his surgery, he was tested again. And his levels were still at like four or five, which means there's still cancer lurking. And so he went to our house to recover because he had to be there for two weeks. And while he's recovering at our house, we were out shopping or doing something one day. And he was actually in our bedroom in the back end of the house. And while he was laying there, he said all of a sudden he heard the TV turn on really loud. And he's like, hey, is anybody in there? And nobody was home. So he got up, walked in to the living room, 
and it was turned on to a Christian television station. And right when he walked in the room, the man on the TV is like, somebody here is going to be healed of cancer. And my dad just, I received that. (laughs) And he turned the TV off. So we go on. We send him back to Iowa at the end of the two weeks. And during that time, my mo- I actually called my mom today to just to make sure I'd get this story correct. During that time, he got really, really bad pain-wise, excruciating pain. My dad has a high tolerance for pain. And it was so bad, and he finally went to the emergency room. They, put him, they admitted him. They had the doctors and nurses in there, and they could not figure out what was causing it. They're giving him the drip of pain for pain meds, and nothing is touching the pain. And my mom called me kind of in a panic. Pray, pray. So I did. I remember being in the dining room, praying and praying, finding a scripture, declaring the scripture. And I remember this part. I didn't remember this till today when she told me about me praying, but I remember using Gertrude Taylor's thing, and I remember picturing Jesus come down from heaven and touch my dad. I pictured it. I just saw him. Jesus, you're touching him. I believe you're touching him right in that hospital room. By Jesus' stripes, he is healed. And I I, I prayed and prayed, and then all of a sudden, boom, it was gone. The burden lifted. It was gone. And I picked up the phone, and I called my mom. And I said, Mom, he's healed. It's done. She said, I was just getting ready to call you. The pain left instantly. The burden lifted. It's gone. My sister, who lived in another state, the burden lifted off her at the exact same moment. And he was healed. Because we have a, a God whose name is El Shaddai. More than enough. The cool thing was is following that moment, they still had their follow-up visit with the surgeon. And he came in and said, I hate to give you the bad news, but remember after we tested him after the surgery, his PSA levels were still at four or five. That's not zero. We we need to talk about chemotherapy or uh, radiation implants and all all these things and this dooming gloom thing. And they were all excited because they thought, you know, he'd been healed. But He went on to be tested after that visit. And when he went in to get tested, his levels were at zero with no trace of cancer. And it's 12 years later, he was just tested again in the fall. His levels are at zero. It's a 100% miracle of what God did. God's faithful. I have... One other, uh, actually, I'll do this one too. This is a short one, but it's super powerful. I was at a boys' camp, and I was a counselor. And there's a boy that was put in my room because he was from a church that didn't have a counselor, and I was a children's pastor, and so we would always get the leftovers from other churches that didn't send a counselor. And so he was put in my room. His name was Michael. He was from inner city Cincinnati. A lot of fun, full of life, but a handful and Michael and I befriended I befriended him throughout this throughout that week. The very last night of the camp um, was the night I spoke. They, we took turns that year as children's pastors, and I spoke on um, prayer 
And we, back then, the Nicole C. Mullen, Mullen song, um, When I Call on Jesus, All Things Are Possible, was popular. And so the we sang that in worship, When I Call on Jesus, All Things Are Possible. And then I had the kids all come forward. If you want to believe God for a miracle or call on him in prayer, all things are possible. And Michael came forward, and he knelt down, and he was praying. And then I, you know, I'm on the stage like this, and I could see, like, tears starting to come down his eyes. And uh, so I wrapped up like turned it over to the music part and I wanted to make a beeline to pray with him because you know he I kind of took him under my wing that week so I get down there and I kneel down and Michael what do you want prayer for and again a lot of times with kids it can be like my dog died two years ago and would you pray that you know sometimes they're just requests that are but this one wasn't one of those so I kneeled down and he said I said, why are you crying? What are the tears from? He said, Pastor Jamie, my dad's gone. I live with my mom. There's nine of us kids, and we live in a tiny two-bedroom apartment. And he's like, I don't have my own space. We sleep on the floor. It was, again, it just broke my heart. Talk about ripping your heart out. And I ached for him, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Again, this wonderful, amazing pastor who should have the answers. I gave in to doubt in that moment. But my words were, well, we're going to pray. Huh? Let's just believe God. And I said the right things, but even I was a little taken back by his request because his request was, do you think God would give me a house? Well, let's pray. So I, am, I admit, I am embarrassingly admit that I didn't pray necessarily in faith, but he did. He prayed in faith. Two weeks later, I went to district camp. And I, not, I didn't, that was the end of Michael as far as, I mean, camp ended and I sent him on his way. And I went to district camp and he time, Pastor James, across the field. And he saw me, we saw each other at the same time. Pastor Jamie! And he came running, and I gave him a big hug, and he was grinning from ear to ear, and he goes, Pastor Jamie, guess what? The Monday after we came back from camp, the pastor from our church called, and somebody donated a house to the church, and the pastor asked my mom if we wanted to be the ones to get it. Else should die more than enough. And so Michael got to move into a house, and I was once again reminded from childlike faith how big our God is. He's so big. He's so powerful. But I have to include this in the sermon because there's going to be people out there. That's nice he did that for Michael Tika or that you got Disney tickets or blah, 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 but I'm dealing with this. Why didn't he answer this? I want you to know sometimes... I don't know why he doesn't answer. There was a time where in 1998, my dad's best friend, his name was Mike Losey, and he was 50 at the time. And I grew up with him, his kids. We were all best friends. Nicest man you'll ever meet. Super funny. And he got cancer in his lungs. And I didn't know everything I know today, even prayer-wise, but you know what? I prayed my guts out for him. I thought he was going to be healed. I just knew it. I organized, we called them cottage prayer meetings, and I organized them as a young 20-year-old, and 
met in my parents' house, and we stormed the gates of heaven for his healing. And I just knew he was going to be healed. And I sent Mike scriptures, and I'm like, you're going to be healed. You're going to be healed. And guess what? Mike went on to heaven. But here's what I found out. Even when your prayers aren't answered the way you think they will be, he's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. And God got all of us through that difficult time. And there's just some things that are the mysteries of God that we don't understand. And I'm not going to try to pretend to understand. But at the same time, don't not pray big prayers. You understand? There is no bad prayer request. If it's a need, if it's a big situation, a circumstance that you're battling, go to him and believe and have full faith that he's going to answer it. Last story and then I'm done. My word for the year was prosper. And um, we even had a staff retreat. And we went to that place in McCall where you do the little pottery things and you can paint them. Pastor Jordan's like, I want everybody to paint something, like pray about what God wants you to make. And I picked a piece of pottery, like a plate thing. There it is. Don't look too close. But we just, I, I wrote the word prosper. This is my year to prosper. I'm declaring this. I want to see this plate all throughout the year. This is my word of the year. And so I left the retreat fired up that I'm going to prosper. And I don't have time to get into everything. But how many have ever had boom, 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 boom? We had more financial hits in the two-week period than I had in the entire time of living here. We had Kaylee get a concussion, have to go. We didn't have insurance, so I had to pay that. Then she had to go to an eye specialist twice. Then our cat got cancer and had to have surgery. And then it was just our car broke down. It was one thing after another. And by the end of that two weeks, I was so defeated. And in the, my mind, I'm still stewing on this message. So I, I went to God in prayer and said, God, these are my needs I'm spending the day fasting and praying, and I'm believing for you to provide a miracle and make a way. There seems to be no way. And that was on a Monday. By Wednesday, my wife tells me, oh, I forgot to tell you, I went to Winko and used the debit card, so I pay the bills, but you know how they, they only use debit cards at Winko. And it took the amount of money out of the checkbook that I had already sent off a check for, and we were going to overdraft on Friday morning. And I've never overdrafted. I used to work at a bank. I'm like, doesn't happen. That's not part of who I am. And so it just really, it was like the enemy was just pouring it on. You're going to overdraft. You thought you were going to prosper. You're saying all these scriptures. You're preaching on El Shaddai. And, and Thursday night, we go to the India premiere. And all this heaviness is on me. And I sit down. And the person I'm sitting beside says, oh, I have an envelope for you. You know I like envelopes. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. And I open it. It was $220. After church, Pastor Robin comes up to me. Somebody gave me an envelope for you 
here, open it. And I hadn't been advertising where we were at, only to him. And I open it, $750. I get out to the lobby. This is just at a movie premiere night <laughs> at the Indian. I get out to the lobby and someone else comes up to me and says, here, I have an envelope for you. God told me to give this to you. Another $310. I went out to the parking lot holding these envelopes like a blubbering mess because I had $1,290 and I had zero when I went into the movie and I was going to be overdrawn. So we went straight to the bank, deposited it, and I got a cheer. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. So I have to end now because we got another service coming. Do you get the point of tonight's message? I don't know where you're at, what you're going through. I don't know what breakthrough you need. I don't know where the enemy's screaming that God's not going to do it. I don't know if you're struggling financially. I don't know if you have a child that's far from God. I don't know if your marriage looks dismal and it needs a resurrection, but he's El Shaddai. He can part the Red Sea. He can raise the dead. He can do anything. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. So tonight, I want you with big faith, with Tika faith, with Michael faith, to pray. When you come up to the prayer team for ministry time, you declare, this is what I'm believing for. I want to see a breakthrough. I'm trusting God, and they will agree with you, and then we're going to watch El Shaddai do what only he can do. Amen? So if you'll, um, prayer team, if you'll come forward, if you'll start some music or play some music or whatever, I really feel like tonight is a night we're going to mark it in the spirit. You may not get your breakthrough tonight, but tonight's when it began. Tonight, God wants to show everyone in this room or everyone listening to the podcast, he is El Shaddai more than enough. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for every one of the stories that I've got to experience and see you at work. Tonight, I give you the glory because you are a big, you are an amazing God. You're El Shaddai. You're more than enough. And so tonight, my brothers and sisters may have big needs, but it doesn't scare me. I'm not focusing on the problem. I'm focusing on the promise. And so tonight, we just look at you. Where our, you're where our help comes from. We look to you and just ask, God, would you make a way where there seems to be no way? Would you part the Red Sea? Would you resurrect Marriages that need to be resurrected. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if, you'll, if you have a prayer request, they're up here. Take advantage of it. Otherwise, you are dismissed. <laughs>